Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, the 23rd of September, 2022. It's been a long week uh, and a long year and perhaps a long century. Um, this time last week, we had an interesting conversation with uh, Matthew Stewart. Uh, Stewart is the author of a book that came out last year, The 9.9%, The New Aristocracy That Is Entrenching Inequality and Warping Our Culture. Whether or not um, this new aristocracy is warping our culture, it certainly is indeed an aristocracy, and whether it's the 9.9% or the 1% or the 5%, one of the themes in this show over the last year or two has been the growing inequality in the world. In fact, uh, we had the Berkeley economist Brad DeLong on the show a few weeks ago. He has a new book out, Slouching Towards Utopia, which suggests that the whole economic history of the last 100 years has been slouching towards um, not utopia, really, but inequality, supported by many other economists we've had on the show, including another Berkeley economist, Gabriel Zuckman, who's a kind of younger version of Thomas Piketty. So what is this? What kind of impact is this having on, on our culture, on ourselves, on society? Um, We've had many shows on the nature of this new aristocratic society that's coming into being. One prominent commentator has been on the show a couple of times, the Yale University professor Daniel Markovitz, believes that not only are we living in an unequal society, a new aristocracy, but this aristocracy is miserable. Um, and he has uh, a whole thesis on, on, on how to cheer up the wealthy and powerful in America Meanwhile, some people believe that we're exaggerating this crisis um, and that we should celebrate not inequality, but meritocracy, like my old friend Adrian Waldridge, who has a new book out, The Aristocracy of Talent. What to do about inequality, how to treat this new aristocracy is the theme of today's conversation. My guest is Jamie uh, Weiner. He has a new book out, The Quest for Legitimacy, How Children of Prominent Families Discover Their Unique Place in the World. I, I think um, Jamie, who's joining us from Chicago, uh, has done a lot of research into this new aristocracy. That's my word, Jamie. Are you comfortable <laughs> with uh, describing your clients, perhaps, I, I use that word carefully, uh, as the new aristocracy in America? You know, that's a great question, Andrew. Um, some certainly are, but, you know, the stories that I gathered by interviewing rising gen family members from around the globe um, s suggest that they have a struggle that's not very well understood. And a lot of them come from founders who started with nothing and built something it's a little bit different than looking at um, the Trump family, the Queen, um, because most of these started as, as very hardworking 
Um, in well, to be fair, Jamie, I, I, uh, I'm no great fan, like probably our entire audience of Donald Trump, but there's no <laughs> doubt he works hard, and certainly his father worked hard. So he's he has just as much right to be in this new aristocracy as anyone else. And the Queen seems to, uh, again, I'm not a, a great fan of, of, the, of the old Queen of England, but um, she committed her entire life to serving others. She didn't seem to enjoy her wealth very much, apart from the dogs and the horses. So I, I'm not sure if we should lump the Queen or the Trumps in. I mean, they're all part of the same game, aren't they? Well, they are part of the same gang. And, and my interest um, in terms of the book I wrote, wrote would be much more with the people who grow up in those kind of families and w what their experience is, what the expectations for them are, what their struggle is um, to decide whether to be of service. Um, Jamie, does it matter where the money comes from? I mean, I don't know who said it. It's probably Tolstoy or Dickens or someone like that. But the roots of all family wealth is some great crime or other. I mean, you talk about founders' money. I would be really shameful if I was the child of Mark Zuckerberg, who has essentially appropriated our privacy to, um, to accumulate massive wealth. So it doesn't really matter where the, the money comes from. Google, Facebook, Microsoft. Uh, the Royal Family of England, Trump Towers, they're all in the, they're, they're all, for better or worse, successful, wealthy people, and, and money has a dirty history. Yeah, so, um, Andrew, I'm assuming that, that you don't have examples of people who came from nothing and worked very hard and are making a difference in society. Well, we did actually an interesting show with um, uh, with uh, Andrew Mayer uh, earlier this week on the Morgenthau's. I mean, every every family, the Morgenthau's are a very prominent American uh, aristocratic family. Uh, their money came from somewhere. I mean, everyone has to work hard originally. I'm sure even the Queen of England, the original. Windsor worked hard in some way or other. I'm not suggesting people aren't working hard, but I am suggesting that the origins of all great wealth is, I mean, maybe not a great crime, but certainly stuff that people aren't going to be particularly proud of. Is that wrong? Am I being unfair, Jamie? From my perspective, um, yeah. I mean, one of the families that I interviewed, the Rising Gen family member, came from humble roots, um, had a background in, in chemistry, and has worked very hard to create products um, that help people um, with their health um, and very philanthropic family. Um, I, I have trouble seeing the crime in what, they, what he's... What, well, uh, I'm not sure what their names are. You probably don't want to reveal them, but the Sacklers could claim to be the same. And of course, the Sacklers are guilty of terrible crimes. We've done a couple of shows on the Sacklers. I'm not saying that every wealthy family is a Sackler or a Trump. I mean, some are worse than others. But what I am saying is that trying to turn wealth into humility and simplicity is a bit, is a bit much, isn't it, Jamie? Um, 
you know, was not the focus of my research. The focus of my research was really about um, the loneliness and isolation and struggles that I saw of people who grew up in families like that. Um, so my commentary is not a political commentary about the value of wealth versus not wealth. Um, in, as you said, even with the queen, there was a tremendous amount of service that she did during her lifetime. So let's talk, uh, Jamie, about the book, um, The Quest uh, for Legitimacy. Um, as you say, um, you went out and you interviewed children of, uh, you, you, your term is prominent families, I assume you mean wealthy, powerful families. Um, how many of these uh, children did you talk to for the book? So Andrew, actually I do mean prominent families because in all communities, even in, and I worked at Cook County Jail for a while, I've worked in every economic um, level of society, there are families that have they're the minister in the community. They're, um, you know, um, uh, they're interested in the community. So I grew up as a rabbi's kid. I grew up in a family that was prominent. It was not a wealthy family. Um, and um, so what I set out to do was to interview 25 rising gen family members from around the globe and, um, and to ask them what it is, what it is like, when I put it this way, to grow up in the land of giants. And um, they immediately understood what I was talking about. And <clears throat> so, OK, uh, I, I apologize. Um... Jamie, uh, perhaps in addition to powerful and wealthy, maybe wealthy may not even be included, we, we should um, substitute the word successful because um, there has to be something distinguishing these 25 families. Otherwise, you could have just gone out and interviewed anyone. Well, thank goodness I didn't just go out and interview anybody. Right, so, so you were finding, so you went out and you interviewed kids of, people, uh, you, you call them giants, it's a very interesting uh, phrase, uh, people who have distinguished themselves, shall we say, whether it's financially or morally or in some other way. Is that fair? A, a very clear dis description of the kinds of people that I interviewed. So, you know, with the exception of um, Henry Kaiser was from the Kaiser Pimenti family that at one point was one of the wealthiest families in the world. Most of these families um, were not that kind of uber rich. Mm. But they were, and again, I use this word carefully, but it's being used all the time now by people like Matthew Stewart. This is an aristocracy of people who grew up in families that had distinguished themselves, better for better or worse. Is that fair? You know, Andrew, I didn't think about it in terms of it being an aristocracy, but um, 
That's because my view is the view of a psychologist and it's not a political statement about them one way or another. But I, I certainly appreciate what you're talking about. Right. And, and, and it doesn't have to. I mean, it's political, I guess, in a way, but you can cut it lots of different ways. I mean, Adrian Waldridge has a new book out, as I said, The Aristocracy of Talent, How Meritocracy Made the Modern World. So he believes that this talent is legitimate. It's not a question of, of undermining just because someone's successful doesn't make them bad or evil or rotten or dislikable. So. So your quest for legitimacy, your interest is in the kids of, and then I'm using your term now, prominent families. These are people who are struggling to find their, and again, I'm using your language in your subtitle, their unique place in the world. Is that fair? That's exactly what it is. And, um, and um, those were the kinds of families that I interviewed with. I use the term legitimacy because um, growing up in successful families requires being able to feel like you've done something significant in your own right. These are kids then, uh, and I, again, this is my word, they're lost or they could be lost. They're, they're, they haven't found themselves. Is that correct? Well, some some have found success. So I interviewed somebody who had been very successful in the corporate world, and she still didn't feel legitimate on the inside. She didn't feel that what she had done really made a contribution to the world in the way she had seen um, family members earlier, a couple generations earlier, be able to, to do. Um. Jamie, I mean, you do this for a living. You're, you're in. I, I mean, my understanding is. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're in the consulting business. You you work with some of these families, so you provide your services, psychological or otherwise. But some people might be listening or watching to this and thinking, so what? Who cares? I mean, these people are from prominent families. If they're lost, they're lost. There are many more problems in the world that I should be dealing with. Should we really care about these kids? I mean, if they are from prominent families, sometimes wealthy, sometimes not, it's just the nature of things. And they're still much luckier than most people living in the world today. You know, I probably could ask that question about everybody that I've worked with in my life. So I've worked with people at Cook County Jail who are there because they're accused of committing crimes. And we could ask, should we worry about those people? In fact, our, our society does ask that question. So in some ways, we think about warehousing them. So Cook County Jail had 80,000 detainees at any given time. And the question for me is, if somebody's born into a family where there's some opportunity being given to them, are they any less worth paying attention to what they're struggling with? if they have some potential to make a difference in the world and to give back into the world in a way that um, might be helpful and make a difference. Are you saying, Jamie, then, that the kind of people you might find in Cook County Jail, the 30,000 people who found themselves there, their, their fate is, is no more or less concerning than the fate of a a child of a prominent family who hasn't figured out their unique place in the world? 
I'm saying from my perspective, I look at humanity and I'm concerned with all people who find themselves in a struggle. And different circumstances, certainly people lead people to struggle. But um, um, those in, you know, Cook County Jail has a high percentage of minorities in it. Um, there's a lot of unfairness that go, goes into all of that. And the, the question I'm, I'm asking is why should I be any less concerned about their struggle as I should be about somebody who grew up in a family who built a, a business and did something well? Or like my father was a rabbi and came from um, Germany and got out just in time, and, but did something significant and um, earned recognition in the world. Yeah, we're not questioning. I mean, the, the issue is not questioning your father or your grandfather's generation of people who realize themselves. It's the children of uh, prominent families. So, so, so perhaps, Jamie, you could talk a little bit more about the kind of struggles that these kids have. It's for what? Self-worth, self-legitimacy, a goal in life, a purpose, a meaning. Yeah, so the people that I interviewed were um, ranged, I, I know I use the term children, they ranged from 20 to 75 years old. The mean was about 30 or 40 years old. And, um, and um, growing up in the families they grew up, uh, up in, there was a struggle to feel that they measured up to what the, the world they were born into. There was feelings of loneliness and isolation because they couldn't talk about the experiences that they had growing up, sometimes even within their families. And um, they saw their parents as able to do things that, um, were huge in terms of what they were able to accomplish. And, um, and how do you begin to feel that what you've done, which may not be earning money and may not be like my father becoming a, a rabbi, how do you begin to feel that what you're doing is making a significant contribution in the world? How much do you think the struggles of the, the kids that you at least interviewed and you deal with, and, and, and I use the, the word kids carefully because, as you say, they can be older. Um, but how much of it is the consequence of their parents who have achieved a great deal and expect their kids to achieve the same amount? To what extent is the book The Quest for Legitimacy a book for parents as much as children. It's clearly a book, a book for, for both. Um, I interviewed people who came from families where their parents were founders of, of, of something and created something. Founders are pretty absorbed in their own life. They also in, interviewed people from families that were 250 and 450 years old. And so the founders were long in the, in the background. 
and um, and but there was a long history of success within the family, and even in founder families, where um, parents were very encouraging of the ne next generation, the struggle to figure out what am I going to do with my life, how am I going to be um, feel confident about my life is as alive as it is for um, anybody else. Um, and you made this comparison with the kids you cover in your your book and the the people in uh, Cook County Jail. But the reality is, is a lot of these people have been inherited great deal of money. That's the nature of our aristocratic society. We even had a show um, earlier this year with Meredith Haggerty, who has a, a, a an entire Substack newsletter called Airmail. Do you think all the money uh, is a is a good or a bad thing? I mean, what advice would you give wealthy parents about um, passing on the money to their kids when the kids haven't achieved very much? I have one or two family friends who are struggling with this now. Wealthy people who aren't sure about whether or not they should pass on their wealth to their kids because it might discourage their kids from working or realizing themselves? Well, I personally don't believe it's the money that discourages um, kids from working and achieving themselves. Um, and I believe that for parents, a lot of it has to do with what happens in the transition of money between one generation and another. Mm. The more important conversation for me is um, is fits more into the category of a rite of passage, which is what do you have to do growing up when you grow up in one of these families to feel that you can come back and make a contribution to the world? You have four, uh, four elements in your quest for legitimacy, uh, awareness, tug of war, exploration, and ownership. Very briefly, Jamie, you might touch on those and explain, uh, particularly for kids of prominent families watching this who are indeed on a quest for legitimacy. They'd need to read your book, of course, but what they need to do. So the first phase is awareness. Um, the story I love to tell about it is a woman who grew up in a family that was a diamond family, that uh, the whole family for generations had been in diamonds. And her dad came home and with a bag of diamonds when she was growing up and taught her to count by counting with diamonds. Is this an American family, uh, Jamie? It's a European family. Ah, they know uh, you can't give us the name. I know a very prominent diamond family in London called the Nagels with highly achieving parents and the children have really struggled. They're not called the Nagels, are they? No, that's not the family. Ah. Um, the, the, the diamond industry is a very um, secretive industry because of the risks that are there. Mm. And um, is it a Belgian family or a British family? It is. Um, she's cur cur currently she's in London at this point. You know, it's funny. My experience with these wealthy families is often you miss a generation. So this particular family I know the. 
all the children have suffered what you might call the quest for legitimacy, but the grandchildren have done remarkably well. So perhaps there's a generational element here too. You're always going to have one generation that gets crushed, but then the next generation comes back. Well, in the interviews that I did, it was, um, there were some clear examples where the second generation got crushed. In the one that I'm thinking about, an American family, um, there was still the second generation that was crushed. The third generation started to do much better. Good. But, um, but they still had that, that idea of what it meant to measure up to um, the founder and the family. And do you think uh, a dynasty is built on diamonds? Is there something particularly problematic about that? Well, in the story I'm talking about, as the woman grew up, her father got kidnapped, which, is, which is not unusual for families <laughs> in the diamond industry. It's not, you mean it happens all the time? Well, it's, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio, but it's a, um, an asset that yeah. is easily desirable, easily extreme. Are they after the diamonds or the person or both? They're, the they're, they're after either the, the diamonds or they're after ransom money. Yeah. So, um, so that for her was a, a breaking moment in her life where she had to reevaluate her relationship to what the family had been doing for for generations. You 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 you're a doctor, Jamie. A psycho. Uh, what? A, how would you describe yourself? A psychologist, a psychiatrist. What What is your professorship in? What are you a doctor in? So I'm a psychologist. So for you, is the key to all this your professional expertise? Not yours particularly, but the professional expertise of psychology. Is this? the key to the quest for legitimacy for the children of diamond families, for example? Well, I certainly got my a lot of my foundation by being a psychologist. I got into doing what I'm doing because my wife came from a business-owning family. And when yeah. Who is your wife, Jamie? I'm sorry? Who, who is your wife? So my wife is um, Dr. Carolyn Friend. Right. And so you're, the, you work the, with her on some other stuff. Um, in uh, you, she, She's your partner in what you call the, the wealth whisperers, right? There she is. That's yeah, Carolyn. <laughs> we should have got her on the show too. Um, so you, you, you say that you're not focused on money, but part of your business, or at least in your partnership with her, it's focusing on wealth, isn't it? Well, it's focused on, on, on wealth, it's focused on business, but that's a small part of... Right, right, sorry, go on, I, I uh, interrupted you, I apologize. So, um, you know, I, I've worked with victims of crime, I've worked with mothers against drug driving, so as a psychologist, because of her experience with the death of her parents in a very short period of time, we've created inheriting wisdom and began working with families dealing with issues that happen in transitions. 
Well, you, you call yourselves the wealth whisperers. What does that mean? So um, people don't appreciate the complexity that comes with success and, and wealth. Our focus is really on the human side, on the dynamics within the family. Um, you mentioned earlier somebody who is worried about the next generation and whether the wealth would be detrimental to them, their ambition. And um, the experience is, is when you help those families with purpose and with communication, that um, you can make a real difference in, in how all of that gets handled. And um, that's what we focused on. So is the goal uh, of the quest for legitimacy, Jamie, is it happiness, meaning, significance, virtue? What's the goal? What are you trying to do with the quest of legitimacy in terms of helping children of prominent families discover their unique place in the world? Is it power? What's the end goal here? So I'm not a big fan of the word happiness because it sets up an expectation that we should be happy all of our, of our lives. I am um, an advocate for the idea of being able to sort out who you are and take ownership of your life and then once you do that, being able to have an impact on the world. And, um, you know, and a lot of people would refer to that as self-actualization. It's true more in uh, American culture than in other cultures that that's the goal. But I am talking about some sense of feeling. Um, Can't you just have your cake and eat? What's wrong with just, uh, Jamie, having your cake and eat it? You're, you're the the child, prominent, powerful, wealthy family, just go out, spend the money, get lots of cars, have lots of sex, have lots of holidays. What's wrong with that? Why not enjoy the wealth? <laughs> I would, if I was lucky enough to have wealthy parents, I certainly wouldn't be doing this. Well, it sounds good. Um, I, I, I did meet a couple of people in Cook County Jail who were from wealthy families whose parents... Uh, we're not back in Cook County Jail, Jamie. You can't keep on falling back on that one. Well, you're trying to make me defend the idea of... Well, but, but in all seriousness, what's wrong with just having fun? Why do we need meaning? Why in America... You can't have your cake and eat it in America. It's supposed to be a democratic society. It's anything but democratic. It's an aristocracy. So why give the aristocracy the sense that they're living in a democracy? Why not just let them enjoy being aristocrats? Because it's not a good, healthy life for them. And they have rights to have a healthy life as well. But aristocracies have lived, lived happily for most of the history of the world. In fact, I, I don't know how you, and anyway, you're not, you, you just said earlier, you didn't really care about happiness, but it seems as if being an aristocrat is quite a cheerful business, isn't it? And the problem in America is that people want everything. They want virtue and morality and wealth. You can't have everything. You, you choose your poison. Well, I could easily agree with you, but suicide rates are very high among affluent kids. Drug use is very high among affluent kids. 
Uh, depression is high among affluent kids. It's actually less in, in families of poverty than it is in wealthy families. Um, so we so, should, and, and, I, and I, this may sound, I mean, are you suggesting we should feel more sorry for, for children of affluent kids who, who might be more prone to suicide or depression than children of poor families, homeless families? Andrew, I, I'm not trying to make it relative. Right. I'm just in response to your question about why not just the, let them live their lives and have fun. Yeah. Responding to the, the, the likelihood that it may not be as fun as it looks. To yeah. Be. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. Well, certainly one of the things they could do with their money is buy your new book, um, uh, Quest for Legitimacy. It's a very interesting thesis, uh, how children of prominent families discover their unique place in the world. A very relevant debate, Jamie. Um, what else have you been reading recently that you find useful? Another book, actually... That I, I found, I don't know whether you've read it. Uh, it's a, it's a, sorry, not the uh, the Stewart book, the nine point nine percent, but a, a new novel by Jean Hamphy Coralettes, the late comer. It's a book about wealthy New Yorkers, a family of people who hate each other. I mean, it, it's funny. Do you think that in these prominent families, people dislike each other more than in regular families? I, I think the potential there for um, hatred is pretty high. Um, I'm not surprised. I'll have to run out and get that book. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. It, it, it. I think you'd find it intriguing. I mean, it is a novel, of course. It's not based on fact. But um, she deals with a prominent New York banking family. I think you'd also enjoy the Morgenthau family because I think it supports your thesis of prominent families giving back in public service uh, as an example of responsible American aristocracy. But uh, sorry, what, what other books are you reading, Jamie? So there were two books that I was going to suggest. One is called Be Your Future Self Now by Benjamin Hardy. It is a book that takes positive psychology and applies it in a very enjoyable way about not thinking about the power of your past to control your life, and about looking at where you want to go in the future. And the second book that I would recommend is actually an old book from 46 called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl mm. in the concentration camp. And I think no matter which economic group we're talking about, um, being able to find meaning in your life is the key to feeling like you're living a valuable life. 